0: You're listening to OEA Grow, a member led production of the Oregon Education Association. OEA Grow is by members, for members. In Season 3, educators discuss safe, welcoming, and inclusive schools. Your host for Season 3 is OEA member and school counselor Leonie Bannister.
1: everybody. I'm Leonie Bannister, your host for season three of our OEA Grow podcast. In this season, we're learning about safe, welcoming, and inclusive schools. Today, we are joined by Sasha McKeon. Sasha, could you introduce yourself, please? Hi, I'm Dr.
0: Sasha McKeon. I have been teaching at Blue Mountain Community College for 10 years. Um, My specialty is biology for majors and non-majors, but specifically microbiology. For the last two years, I've been my faculty association's vice president, and I just started my tenure as the president this year. In my spare time, I enjoy cooking, mountain biking, and reading anything science fiction and fantasy.
1: Awesome. I love that. Thank you for sharing all that. That's you, You're living a full life. I love it. So thank you. So you're here with us today. And as I said in the introduction, we're talking about safe, welcoming, and inclusive schools. And I appreciate your kind of um, post-K-12 higher ed perspective here because you've created a unique uh, method for teaching and learning um, within your class. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing in your classes now at Blue Mountain Community College?
0: I've been really excited about the new pedagogies that have been coming out uh, for active learning and student engagement. And so every year I've tried to dabble um, bringing something into a classroom to see how it serves my community. And this has been things like flipped classrooms or clickers, um, case studies. My most creative method, the one that I think was the labor of love and um, the most trailblazing in this endeavor, um, was I gamified my non-majors biology class. What that meant was I created a scenario where my non-major students could come into the classroom and choose how they were going to be graded and assessed throughout the term and it didn't change the content of my class it was still a rigorous biology class but it was framed in something fun and relatable that i think helps students break down that intimidation factor that sciences often have associated with them Um, so for example this class uh, was harry potter themed because i'm a big harry potter fan and i think that there are essentially four types of students which really pairs well with the four houses of harry potter uh so the Ravenclaws in my class their rubric for their grade their course rubric is based solely on exams and lab they don't have to do any homework period this is for the student that comes into class doesn't take notes and just absorbs the information they shouldn't be dinked for that natural aptitude. So that rubric is designed for them to not give them busy work and waste their time, allow them the freedom to prepare for their other classes or study more if that's what they need to do to be successful. My Hufflepuff track is for the student who is a really good student. They come to class, they do all the reading, they take all the notes, they'll do every assignment or study group or you know optional activity, but try as they might they are really bad on exams, they stress out. And so my Hufflepuff student, their grade, uh, each exam is only worth 5% of their grade as opposed to 15 for the Ravenclaws. And the bulk of their weight comes from homework. They do twice as much homework as anyone else. And that way through repetition, they're actually still learning the material but the pressure is not on the exams. They can show through this research paper or this documentary or drawing out a comic strip of a protist life cycle that they've understood or that they can find the information. And then the remaining two tracks are my Gryffindor and Slytherins. These are for the, you know, your average student, your jack of all trades, master of none. They're pretty good at science. Uh, And so it's a really evenly based rubric. Homework balances out. The exams, which balance out some of the other assignments in class, um, they just do half the homework that the Hufflepuffs do. The difference between Slytherin and Gryffindor is Slytherin is meant for the introverted student who is going to do everything on their own. They themselves are resourceful like the Slytherins in the story. Uh, and the Gryffindors are more socially oriented. They are going to engage more teamwork, study groups. Uh, and so I wanted to give two avenues that would give um, students that ability. And in the first week of class, I tell them like, this is still a biology class and we're going to have fun. I, every week I put up a banner of which class is leading in the online gradebook, um, which gives them a sense of competition and ownership and camaraderie. But it's still... traditional science class. I coach them on how to choose the right house. And I have to put a few disclaimers there. Like, This is not your Mm -hmm. Harry Potter world experience. So even if you've taken the sorting hat quiz and you are a diehard Hufflepuff, if you don't have time to do three times the amount of homework, do not pick that house. That will not help you. Mm -hmm. Play to your strengths. Think about what kind of student are you? And that's what they do. And so
1: far everyone has been
0: really successful um, because it gives them ownership again of their of their class right of their learning
1: yeah I mean I'm I'm listening to you and learning both about Harry Potter and about our higher education system just you know honestly I'm a Harry Potter newbie I <laughs> But I I do, I'm familiar with the four houses and that, but it makes me think about how woven into this is almost like a, an opportunity for them to dig into their self-awareness too. their, who they, what they know about themselves as a learner and what a gift that is.
0: One of the early homework assignments is to take a Myers-Briggs assessment. And then I actually pair each INSTJ to a, to two houses. I narrow it down to two so that way they can. Right all right, so maybe this points me in this direction or that direction. It gives them a starting place. And I
1: tell them they don't have to pick that house. But but just that strength-based perspective, I feel like, you know, within all of our educational system, leaning into that strength-based perspective, maybe sometimes helping students figure or identify what their strengths are, makes them a better learner. It makes us better teachers as well for us to understand where our students' strengths are. You mentioned that there's some... Um, you know, I, I hear we are speaking about the student kind of individual perspective, but then you also said that you build some camaraderie and some like team building within that with the banners. And can you speak about what the students feedback on that is? I'd, I'd be, I'm curious to know as a sports fan, here we are kind of layering in well, like competition into Harry Potter.
0: <laughs> yes. So I have to take that in two parts. The first part is, um, yeah. The reason for that camaraderie is because that class in particular, I find that it needs to have flexible due dates um, because especially mm. like the Hufflepuff student, they're doing a lot more work on the weekly basis. Part of the reason too, for that too is I want them to have choice. If they're going through the fungi lecture and they're like, oh, I hate funguses. I don't want to have to do 50 points of homework on right. a fungus. It's really boring for me. I would like them to be able to right. say- see- have the freedom to skip that. And then next week when we do viruses, they're like, oh my gosh, this is my jam. I'm going to do every homework assignment on viruses because that is so cool and I want to learn more. And so I have to be able to be flexible with that. But I don't want students to keep putting grades off and grades off or assignments off because then... They don't know where they're standing at any given point in time. And I end up not sleeping in finals week, grading all these late missed assignments. And so the house cup right. was sort of a way for me to give the, uh, incentivize doing things on a regular basis. Right. And so everything is due with you know soft quotation marks on Sunday. And on Monday morning, I grade everything that I've received. And that's what's given each house. So however many students are in that house is averaged. And the house that has the highest cumulative grade gets touted as the winner of the house cup that week. And so when they come into class that Monday afternoon or Tuesday, um, that house's banner is hanging up and they're like, oh, dude, see, I knew I should, you know, I knew I should have turned in that. Yeah that interview with a microbe because that would have been an extra 50 points and maybe we would have won this week. Um, and so it kind of gives nice. them a little sense of competition. Um, and I, I don't offer extra credit in this class, but for every week that your house is in the lead, you get one point of extra credit tacked onto your final exam. From week one, all the students are like, oh, our house is going to lead all 10 weeks. I'm like, that is not possible. But if you thought of- <laughs> Why What it really does is, I mean, these are non-major students, so they're not motivated to learn science, mm-hmm. not necessarily for the sake of science. My major students have a lot of self-motivation there because they can see this as a means to being a doctor or a researcher or a forestry and <laughs> wildlife service worker. But the non-major students, they might, oh, it's kind of cool, you know, but how is it going to help me when I'm a an author or if I am a, you know, accountant? And so they need a little bit extra motivation mm-hmm. there. I have a lot of athletes. They like the competition and they'll get on each other. Dude, right. you were supposed to turn this in. I'll help you. Okay. We're coming over to your house tonight open pizza and let's get this out because you're holding us back. And and so they work with each that's, other. That's- and that was my goal was because that sense of camaraderie, they learn more when they have to teach each other, when they have to synthesize mm-hmm. that information and put it put it into their own practice.
1: It sounds fun on both ends, to be honest, like both as the learner and as the teacher, to see students, you know, really owning their learning, especially for someone who may not necessarily choose to take a a science class, right, that there is some ownership and some excitement around that learning. I mean, I think you've kind of spoken about your motivation on why to build a class that's gamified. But was there something was there a resource that you, you know, read? Or what was it that inspired you to to put all your energy into this because this is not this doesn't sound easy
0: <laughs> oh no it was not easy this was a labor of love but um there was i was at a conference northwest elearn in 2018 and they had a session on gamification i don't remember what exactly about the little blurb was but i was like okay this you know i'm gonna hear this guy out and i went and he said Gamification, people are going about it wrong. Think about it. What do we like about games? That struck me. I was like, yeah, why, why do people play games? It's because there's no one way to play the game. You've got the person who's Mm -hmm. a strategist who wants to win. You've got the person who doesn't really care if they win, but they're going to unlock every achievement along the way. They're going to have done that game like, well, there's different types of players. And I think about video games. You know, there's the person who wants the high stats. There's the person who wants to collect and open every chest and coin. Um, There's no one way to play the game why in higher education is there only one way to get through your class? Why is every single student expected to, to come to lecture, to do the homework, to do this lab and submit and basically held to the same rubric when we all have different strengths, we all have different interests, and we all have different preparations. And when he said that, I mean, I was just my mind was blown. I was right. like, we need we need more choice. Yeah. There needs to be more choice in a classroom. This conference that year was in Boise, which was three hours away from me. So on our drive home, in mm-hmm. that three-hour drive, I had worked out. He said, go with what you know. I know Harry Potter inside out. Okay. I think they should have a choose your own rubric. That's the best choice. I mean, let, if we're going to go big and give them choice, let's let them choose yeah. their pathway. And uh, And then between my husband and I, while my kids slept or watched a show in the back, we came up with the houses. And um, and then I still had a, a month or two before the start of winter term. And that's when I put it together. That's
1: awesome. What a great uh, journey that is to have taken something from a conference, which I mean, I'll be the first to admit, sometimes I get super inspired in a conference. And by the time I get back to my school, I'm like, wait, what? How do I actually <laughs> apply this? So I appreciate that that three hour drive was probably the best thing that ever happened because you gave yourself some time to really like think it through. And that's inspiring. Um, What have you noticed, like from your students' experiences, you know, thinking about your non-majors biology classes prior to the gamification versus now? What have you noticed have been your student experiences? Um, Have they differed or?
0: I am a researcher at my core, a a data scientist. So. All through that very first term, I was collecting data on my students. Um, And I have every term since that I offer this class. And what I did was I would take the student's performance, each of the four, technically, five rubrics. So assuming the student picked Ravenclaw, I would still compare them to themselves if they had been Hufflepuff, Slytherin, or Gryffindor, and the traditional rubric. And so each column is Mm -hmm. each student, and that is... um, over the course of the 10 weeks. And so I could see, did they pick the right house? Like, is this scheme working Mm -hmm. for them? Or did I somehow, like, hurt them? Would they have done better in the old version of the class? And in almost all cases, I think I had one outlier, but in almost all cases, they chose the better house for them. The other metric that I was interested in, did it get better or did it get easier? Because I didn't want to jeopardize the rigor of the class. It's still, I still wanted it to be a science class. Um, and a lot of that I was able to maintain because I used the same lectures and the same exams. So they had mm-hmm. to hit the same milestones. One of the other things that I looked at was I looked at how much time they were engaging in science. And so I could do that through our learning management system, um, Canvas. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at what was the average weekly time spent in my biology class in years past, Uh, pre-Harry Potter and what's the average time post-Harry Potter and it tripled. Wow. So students were Doing science more, they were hanging out in my online class more. uh, You know, watching that documentary to get extra credit. You know, reading this news article and posting a response, um, engaging in a debate on stem cell ethics. And that's, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what I really
1: want, right? And and as you're speaking, it makes me think about that concept of relevancy. It it became relevant to them because there was some ownership of their learning style, their group, whether they've internalized it or externalized it to their their Harry Potter house. Like it's so, so cool. Um, Just to kind of expand your concept out a little bit, I want to ask you, um, thinking about our audience here, our um, listeners, we probably have some pre-K teachers all the way up to your end of the uh, educational spectrum up there at at higher ed. Any tips or tricks or just strategies that you could share with us, given that you have a couple of um, years of experience of gamifying along that large and long spectrum of educators we have listening today? That you don't
0: have to go big like I did, completely transforming a course. Um, Oftentimes, it's just asking yourself, How can I integrate more ownership on a day-to-day basis to the student? In years past or or now when I do presentations talking about gamification, um, my tips and tricks leaving is start small. Uh, That end-of-term research paper, let them choose what it's going to be about. Or better yet, maybe give them the choice of two different types of papers. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. it's a, like for my Mm -hmm. classes, it's a formal report or it's a grant proposal and they can choose which way they want to go. Do they want to think past tense on what someone did or do they want to think futuristic of what someone could do if you just provide opportunities where they can have some choice in the matter they feel more empowered you know um i do a lot of homework options where i'm like okay you could take this 20 point multiple choice quiz in canvas or or um this week i have an interview with a tree assignment you know so you go outside you pick a tree in your backyard your house or on campus and these are 10 things that I need you to you know quote unquote ask your tree Uh, and so you're looking for is it an inbreeder what's the proof for that you know and so they would have to look at the flowers and tell Mm -hmm. me oh the stamen is far away from the carpal so mine's definitely an outbreeder and so in I set it up Mm -hmm. so they're these questions are having them integrate the terminology from my class and, and really apply some of the knowledge to something that they're seeing outside and say, wow, this tree is a broken branch and it's got resin dripping out. I remember she talked about resin being a wound response for trees and jot that down. And so just giving them choices on my end, it does make it. Mm -hmm. So I have a little bit more work because I'm switching gears. Um, But their attitudes, the responses that I've gotten back, you know, uh, you made me feel like I could do science. Uh, you made this class fun. This was the best grading rubric I've ever seen. More classes should be like that. That is validating. And so I think, um, you know, if you start small and just before you know it, you kind of build up.
1: No, that sounds awesome. I think that's something that all of us could start with. It's just some small little choice-based activity. And, um, that's applicable, I would imagine across the spectrum, you know, K and post 12. And Mm -hmm. one of the other
0: things that I do is I have um, one of the homework assignments that they can choose to do is they can make a muzzy lane, which is like a virtual story online, um, or a Mm -hmm. picture chart infographic. um, And I give them Detailed how to guides to do both of those. Not a lot of students choose to do those assignments, but those that do, they become those assignments are so polished that I actually share them in class and have them for perpetuity resources for future classes. And so having students right. be a part of something that's not busy work, but is shared. That becomes a resource or study material or a quick, you know, um, study guide assessment. uh, That's been huge for them. Yeah,
1: it's almost like a learning opportunity becomes a teaching tool for the future, which is like a beautiful circle for, for an educator and learner to experience. That's really, really cool. Well, Sasha, I, I want to thank you for being with us today. But before we say goodbye, is there anything else that you feel like we should know or hear from you before we leave today? At the end of term, the house that wins the
0: the total prior to the final exam, I made stickers for each of the houses um, that have a trophy on the front. And the house that is in the lead at the time we go into finals, they win stickers they're the only ones that get them one per student and i bring birdie bot's beans to stay in theme and uh butterbeer which is really just cream <laughs> soda with a fancy tag around it <laughs> knockoff butterbeer out uh, to the final exam and so when they hand me their final exam they get this loot that has been fun um but also they're wearing that badge oh, of honor man. which becomes almost self-promotion yeah for my class. Students love swag. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be big. I know I said I didn't want to incentivize learning because they should be learning for the sake of learning. It made the class fun for me too. And I think that that was important.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's both an intrinsic and extrinsic kind of motivation piece going on there, right? Like that if they're excited about learning because they're part of this team, let's say, or house, there's some intrinsic shifting that happens with that. Like if you have a learner that goes from being reluctant to learn science or biology because it's not really their major or not really something mm-hmm. they're interested in, but then they leave your class with a new excitement about science, like I think. I think that's a wonderful, huge growth step for both the teacher and the learner. That's awesome. With
0: my majors, I gamified it in such a way that I, quote unquote, "I hire them. For a internship, at this scientific writing company that I've created fictionally. It's called Mix Scientific. Uh, and so in our canvas shells, there's a <laughs> section of canvas that has a completely different color scheme. And that's when they clock into work. They're going to those pages. And it, it has, you know, uh, this week's assignment is we've got uh, some authors who cannot write their abstract for their paper today. And so we're going to read through their research, their data, their numbers, and we're going to mm. each... Write an abstract and review it and come up with which one's the best, and we'll send that on to our whoever contracted us. And so it kind of gives them this uh, role playing space. Uh, So it's a mini version of the gamification, but it's a nice transition because when they leave school, they're probably going to get an internship or a job shadow in the summer. And so this kind of prepares them for what you know, what that's kind of like. And we do do some fun things. Uh, In week one, I have a company orientation and retreat. And so we do all the lab safety stuff that week, you know, which is like a regular on the job training. And, And then we've got some trust building exercises. And we play this game called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. The way the game is set up, one person has a laptop, and they can see this fictional bomb. Their team has bomb manuals. But the bomb people with the bomb manuals cannot see the bomb and the people with the bomb cannot see the manuals because like in real life, you're not going to have your whole team standing around something that's explosive. And so it's an exercise in communication. The person seeing the bomb is like, okay, okay, I see four wires. They're red, they're yellow. And then one's red and yellow. And then they're flipping through their pages. Oh, okay. If you've got four wires and and the battery ends in a number, then you're going to flick the switch on the left up. Okay, okay, okay. And they have to do that. Uh, And they've only got Two and a half minutes or five minutes, depending upon which level wow. we start. And so it really Right. It tasks them to learn how to work as a team, to speak succinctly, to time manage. I mean, if you're waiting for the person to describe everything on your bomb, then half the time is run out. Right. And so it's just right. it's a,
1: way to where I'm forcing them to get to know each other pretty fast. Ooh, I like that. I like that moments of game space, because you're right. Sometimes the learning environment may not be as conducive as to, to game space as others, but you can, you can weave it in there and maybe yes. kind of dose them with it just a little bit to kind of keep that motivation up and, and, mo- and importantly, you know, the camaraderie with the class so that they feel safe, welcome and included within the learning space. Well, thank you, Sasha, for your time. What a gift it's been to learn about this. It, it makes me think about what we can do. At, um, at, you know, I'm an elementary counselor. So at the elementary level, I, w- I want to bring this back to my team and, and share it with them from my perspective, what I've learned today. And I, I imagine our listeners are going to think the same. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, if you anyone
0: best. has questions, uh, please share my contact yes. information and I would be happy to you know, Zoom or email and provided additional
1: resources. Okay, thanks, Sasha. Bye.
0: For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit our webpage at grow.oregoned.org.